Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to Cricket Coach 365 podcast. You might be thinking, uh, who's that voice? Because it's certainly not Tom Jones. Uh, my name is James Carr and I was the guest on episode six of the podcast and Mr. Jones recently tuned up with his 100th episode of the podcast and today we're going to flip reverse it and we're going to put him in the hot seat and we're going to ask him some questions. Um, as a, by, ways of, by ways of a little introduction, um, Tom's been around the country a little bit, he's played a little bit of cricket at times and uh, he's also launched an amazing branding Cricket Coach 365 uh, during the global pandemic and then crescendoing with 100 episodes of, uh, of this really powerful podcast. So, Tom, how are you feeling? Well, you said offline that you were more nervous about this than uh, any of your BBC stuff. I think uh, that I would double that. Uh, so, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm <clears throat> I'm excited, um, and you know, it's very flattering, really, that uh, you kindly suggested that we roll reverse and have a chat about you know the whole uh, the whole podcast and everything else to do with cricket. And I, and I just want to reiterate there: this is um, Tom hasn't asked to do this. I mean, I'll take credit for the idea. Uh, ever so slightly but yeah I made the suggestion to Tom that um, maybe we should flip reverse this and uh, and ask Tom who's a champion of the game himself you you put your guests front and centre in terms of what they've achieved in their cricketing lives and, and sporting lives but um, it certainly wasn't Tom's idea um, that's just kind of um, the epitome of the humbleness and the humility that, that you are Tom but I'm going to I'm going to steal your questions now and I'm going to start um, as you would and Talk us through your early introductions into cricket, childhood, and, and what things were like in a, a Sporting Jones household. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's it's weird being asked the question that I, I ask all the guests, uh, but I suppose to do it justice, um, for me, yes, it would go back to you know very, very early childhood. Uh, my dad was a very, very keen uh, cricketer or all-round sportsman, to be honest, Um at that time, when I was only about three, he was um, master in charge of cricket at Birkenhead School on the Wirral. And uh, our home was a, a school property that kind of backed onto the sports fields. And so at lunchtime, he'd come back home for something to eat. But also I remember him on many occasion uh, getting me outside into the back garden. We didn't have a massive back garden but enough grass to just have a bit of a play bat and ball in hand. So they were my earliest <clears throat> my earliest memories from very, very young. Um, and then listening to, you know, in those days, there was no commercial TV or anything like that, but listening to the radio, again, probably influenced by my dad and my granddad, which was my mum's dad, um, <clears throat> who was a headmaster of a grammar school, um, well, grammar schools, plural, and cricket and rugby were his main two sports so he would always listen to test match special and all the good and great commentators that have preceded the current crop of um, aggers and co um, I would listen to along with him and then on summer holidays we'd go down to Devon and we'd play if you um, I don't know whether you whether we've had this conversation but play how's that the little roll the roll the dice game and um, pretend 
to to be one of uh you know the England uh, test match team playing against an elite 11 that we both chose ourselves to to play against in a very random game but whilst we were playing that we were listening to test match special so yeah they they were very very sort of fond early memories and uh my first because it was not really junior cricket uh, as there is now but my first um real memory of playing as a 11 or 12 year old was down in Devon where we used to go on holiday with grandparents and um I'd I'd remembered going to watch the the local village club side you know with great interest uh, for I don't know 3 or 4 years already and then um I turned up with my granddad and was asked to play um and uh, and so without hesitation said yes batted number 11 and it was against the local rival team. I can't remember, unfortunately, the village uh, that we played against. But I didn't think I was going to get a bat. And then, of course, I did. And I had to kind of hold my end up. But I hit my first ball, which was from their opening bowler, over the batter's, over the bowler's head for four, which got everybody like really excited. But then I got the next ball. I kind of nicked between keeper and slip and called yes. I called yes as the, as the batter. And the other guy ran, so I ended up being on strike uh, for the you know for the for the next over, which I was the ja- I, I was the rabbit, so uh, I got an absolute rollicking from the captain afterwards, but patting on patting me on the back at the same time because I managed to kind of um, rescue their reputation by not getting beaten. It resonates with me a lot that actually that that youthful nervous energy of <laughs> doing the right thing but in the wrong situation yeah. almost, but. Yeah. Um, what a, what a great you know way to kind of feel your way into cricket though hitting hitting the ball to the boundary. <laughs> if I could just go back to the beginning of your answer there, so what voice on the airwaves epitomises your childhood in terms of those commentators? Um, well, a number of voices really, but um, probably. Um, Probably one would be um, Brian Johnson, Brian Brian Johnston, and um, and then uh, Jim Laker. I think was um, another commentator that I remember, um, but probably Brian Johnston most formatively. And then as as I started watching TV or cricket on TV or BBC TV, it would have been you know the the great um, Richie Benno, um, but, but the, yeah, so Brian Johnston, but. He, he, I didn't really kind of know much about him. I was too young and too sort of um, innocent and stuff. But I've read a lot of his stuff um, since since he passed away and, um, and you know, got me more fascinated really about the different individuals and characters that get involved in that um, sort of BBC sport institution that is Test Match Special. And it was the music, always been the music. Uh, so the, you know, the, the serial, um, you know, Caribbean Steel Pan uh, theme tune, that's, you know, at some point, several times in my my lifetime, I've had that as a a ringtone for my phone. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that going off on the on the train, maybe on your <laughs> commute times. So you get into your kind of double figures age, approaching teenage years. Did you transition? Did you become a, a regular cricketer? Uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, so I went to um, I went to a school where um, it was sport was a massive part of your education um and cricket was um the, the summer main sport um but football was more my game when i was uh, younger so uh, i i really enjoyed cricket but football 
took you know was, took a larger part of my time and um effort, effort and energy um but yeah i had some very fond memories and i played for two different clubs locally one uh, is now one of the biggest known clubs in cheshire chester Bolton hall I remember I was telling this story actually um not that in fact I think it was to Leisha Hawkins the chief exec of um cricket Wales and uh I think it was her but anyway the they started a an exchange program or a, a, a bringing over a, um a player from the Caribbean sponsored by Sir Vivian Richards this is like late yeah late mid to late eight, 1980s that's giving away my age but and and one of the first guys who came over um, was a guy called Winston Benjamin, uh, and he wasn't really one of the the tall, um, you know, fearsome looking uh, West Indian fast bowlers. Uh, but he, for what he lacked in stature, he put up, you know, he made up for in having a very very quick arm. And his um, his sort of part of his responsibility was to go and play. Uh, with the kids in the in the junior nets now there were grass nets and there were no helmets uh, in those days so it was like you you were lucky to get away with your your life if you if you managed to kind of bat uh, against Winston Benjamin but I loved I loved that kind of battle that one-on-one battle Um, and then uh, you know a standout moment for me for sure which um, anybody listening or anybody who who can relate to this? I'm sure uh, would do so. Was scoring a century for school, and I think it's still the case now that if you score a century at school, it goes into Wisden Almanac. And so uh, it wasn't it wasn't the fact that it went into Wisden Almanac that was uh, the the best thing for me at all. It was the fact that I managed to score three figures, and uh, it was against the forty club. If you've ever come across them, JC, and um, so it was a, it was a team of. Um, of middle-aged adults playing against um, schoolboys, and uh, I remember the the guy who played for them, who was our groundsman, uh, saying to me when I was on ninety six, "Don't get out, don't don't go and go and try and hit it over the top," um, and and I, I don't think he was trying to whine, you know, chirp me out or anything. I think he was just being really uh, sort of genuine in his and his concern. And the next ball, I just remember seeing it like massive and thought, "No, oh, I've, I've just got, I've got to hit this." So uh, I got away with it just, I think um, a more athletic person on the long off boundary probably would have caught me, uh, but that got me to 100. And what was what was lovely was that only about five years ago, I played in an old boys game uh, against the school first 11 and the lad who opened the batting, and I, I was playing for the 40 club in this, in this same game and the lad who opened the batting, left-hander like me, ended up on the same score as I did and it was his first century. So that was a, a, it was like meant to happen. It was like something that come full circle. Um, so yeah, they they were kind of some standout moments from those early years of playing as a as a teenager. But football very much dominated, you know those those years for me, and um, and that's what I took further. I I went on to to go to play football in America on a scholarship rather than pursuing anything uh, to do with cricket. Yeah. And I want to I want to touch on that. You've na- you've naturally just brought me into that. So I know you support the Claret and Blue of, of the Villa. So you, I know you've moved around the country a little bit and, and overseas <laughs> as well. But <laughs> talk me through talk me through the Villa and, uh, and and your affinity to them. So I mean, really, I am a no, you know a, a UK nomadic person or 
yeah, or or somebody from a kind of a Romani background, I, I guess. Not not uh, literally because I wasn't born um, down down in that that area, but I, w- I was born in the Black Country, so um, a little uh, village just or a little town now called Stourbridge, and my dad was from a a, a smaller village just five miles down the road uh, called um, Pedmore. And uh, and his dad worked in the mines of the Black Country, and all of all of his family supported Villa. There were no other uh, teams allowed, especially Birmingham and West Brom. You you were lucky if you know you were lucky to get away with supporting the Wolves. So I had no excuse other than to support the same team as my dad. And so, um, you know, for a long time I've suffered that uh, that responsibility, albeit. As I remind my two uh, children, um, whenever they suggest they're going to go and support somebody far better than uh, Villa, that uh, you know we have at least won the what is now called the Champions League, and um, we're one of those teams that in that period in the late eighties um, or early eighties, early to middle eighties, where Liverpool, Forest, and then Villa won the European Cup as it was then, back to back. So, so yeah, it's it's just really from family origins um from the black country and although i've moved i've lost count how many times i've moved since you know since then i've stuck with villa as a football fan and worcestershire as a cricket fan well let's grab your passport then and <laughs> let's let's go across the atlantic and um let's segue into those uh, uh, later teenage years and early adulthood and, and tell us about the usa and the scholarship that sounds uh, quite interesting yeah, well, well, it, it was it probably um, I was still probably consider it to be one of the best times of my life and uh, very, very fortunate to be selected to uh, be invited over there. Um, there were four four of us from the UK. All of us played for England independent schools and you know, we, we didn't know each other, but we're all selected through playing in this England Schools Football Association tournament. And um, we kind of got to know each other on the journey across um, and uh I I ended up only being there for a year because um I got injured and never really kind of fully recovered and I think as a consequence uh, the budget kind of uh, shifted from people who were fully fit or not fully fit um so I decided to come back after a year but in that year I mean I packed a lifetime into that year um it was an amazing experience in terms of you know self awareness self development um growing up meeting new people from all over the globe um mainly through sport as well as study uh, and and then obviously the social scene um but there was still i do remember a bit of cricket uh, still being played it was in florida central florida um but i remember there being effectively a sand uh, wicket and um asian students who were there at the same college uh, would you know, religiously turn out um, whenever there was an opportunity. Um, so occasionally I got, I got drafted in, but I was, I, because I was on a, you know, a soccer scholarship, I had to be careful, you know, how much I took part. But uh, whenever I got the opportunity, I did. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're from one of the, the big 10 cricket countries and you're an expat, there's always a bat and a ball somewhere, even if there's no grass wicket, isn't there? Yeah, there is. What was it like? I mean, the world's a lot smaller these days, isn't it? And people can travel much, much more freely. What was it like then going to an, 
another Western culture? What did you just? Was it just the norm? Was it like the UK, or or how did it differ? Um, it it differed, but it also felt uh, very much the same in in certain ways. I think from culturally, from a sports perspective, um, as a as a you know as a sports scholar, um, it's not on the same scale as you now kind of read and see things, um, whether it be on you know Amazon Prime or um, Sky Sports or whatever. But but you were still treated you know with a great deal of respect. The the value placed upon athletics you know, the athletics program, sport in its most generic sense, um, was far more significant than what I'd experienced in the UK up to that point. Um, I think because we were, you know, we, we were from across the pond, uh, there was, you know, a little bit of uh, friendly banter, but also some very welcoming um, hospitality from the North American uh, local, po- local population, both around the university and further afield. Uh, but the, be- the best thing for me you know, personally was the fact that the team was very much an international group. Um, they'd gone just, you know, to all four corners of the globe to recruit for that particular um, roster. And so our centre forward, believe it or not, was from Argentina and didn't speak a word of English. <clears throat> our left winger was a Ghanaian um, whippet um, who I'm still in contact with. Uh, our central midfielder was a technically gifted Moroccan um you know, guy and and then we had you know four or five uh, guys from the Caribbean um and then four or five from North America and and, and four of us from the UK so it, it was just a really eclectic international mix and I think that that was brilliant for me because I I I really got you know drawn to different people from different parts of the world speaking different languages eating different foods listening to different music and loved all that and that's I guess that's that's the beauty of sport isn't it mm. um, that it can bring people together like that and um, it can you know just humanise humanise everything really we're all the same in some, with a common goal at the end of the day so what what a fantastic experience that was so it got cut short then so so what next? Uh, well I, I had to um, I tried to go back so I was actually um, you know really serious with uh, with a, a young lady in over there but um, I did go back for two summers and coached. So I, I set up my own um, junior football coaching uh, little operation, um, which I absolutely loved. Um, certainly found an interest in sort of, you know, young enterprise and sort of entrepreneurship. But what I loved most was actually, you know, the coaching itself and, um, you know, being involved in seeing kids really love their sport. Um, but I... I had to come back to the UK. I didn't have the uh, the visa to stay beyond that year once the university made their decision. So I came back to the UK, started university all over again. So I was like a year older than most of the people who started at university. Uh, but that's where I picked up cricket again. So I played cricket at university in Newcastle, um, captain the second team, played occasionally for the firsts. Uh, remember a game against Durham, where Durham, pretty much any team they put out, they would beat pretty much anyone, especially their local rivals from just... Uh, up the road uh, but we um, we managed to kind of get a very respectable draw um, I think they scored something like 300 and then we scored I don't know nearly 200 for five so that that was a good uh, good time but yeah that kind of took me to the northeast of England where I ended up playing um, you know most of my uh, senior cricket first 11 club you know club cricket uh, and again using your 
reference so eloquently put about humanizing uh, through through sport you know most of my closest friends uh, that I still would consider to be you know closest friends were from those sort of 15 20 years of living up there and playing cricket in the northeast so I work in that area now so can you give us a shout out what, what clubs did you play for up there um well I mean I played for a um a side that um was just a a, a for, from it was formed from Will's cigarette factory just on the uh, uh the outskirts of of Newcastle city centre um Hawthorne St Peter's was was the cricket club name we played at the university medical medical ground um so the outfield wasn't particularly good um but it was an incredibly uh friendly um sociable and yet you know some competitive individuals uh kind of kind of club not in a particularly it was it was prior to the amalgamation of league, leagues and the sort of um, redesign and shape of the structure of recreational cricket to, into the pyramid system but then as we yeah. moved as we moved from that into the new pyramid system i played for chesterley street um where which was the ropery lane their home ground was the original durham county ground before riverside was was built um i had a connection to durham county cricket club at the time because the guy who was the first I think he was the first chief exec and he was the, he's certainly been the longest chief exec, Dave Harker. Um, and he and I were at university together. Um, and uh, I also ended up kind of doing some some business um, with them because um, when I worked for a, a software ticketing agency or ticket development house, um, Durham were the first uh, first class cricket uh, county to to actually take up this um sort of pioneering ticketing system which got you to understand or got the club to understand their fan base better but yeah so Chesley Street um, and then I played for Newcastle City uh, which was an all-Asian team bar me um, and they I, I knew the captain but it was a bit of a stitch up really because they none of them wanted to open the batting they all wanted to bat middle order so I was happily yeah, um, happily given the opportunity to, to open against anybody on any wicket um, at any time uh, and then um, the the last club I played for was in in the Northumberland Premier League um, called Walk Walkworth Walkworth Village, which is one of the um, you know beautiful little villages on the coastal um, Northumberland coast as you go up out of Newcastle um, between there and Almouth and Annick. Uh, so I played there for probably six years and uh, had some brilliant times there. Um, it's a great it's a great place to bat. Um, it's not it's not very forgiving if you're a bowler. Um, and the yeah the the people there were absolutely amazing. Uh, they'd never ever done had a tour anywhere. Um, they'd never engaged in a professional uh, having a professional cricketer. Um, I don't. I think they've only just started uh, employing the services of an overseas professional. But I, I suggested to them, um, why don't we go on tour? And at the time, a, a friend of mine joined the club who is from Trinidad, and we ended up. You know, I helped organise the tour, a tour to. Trinidad and Tobago, so that was a, an amazing experience. Wow. Tom, there's something that jumps out to me, which is that, apart from your, just your curiosity and uh, almost courage to just go anywhere, but you, you're very chameleon-like. You, you seem to fit in anywhere, whether it's across the pond with the South Asian community, up with up with the, the Geordies or, you know, across on the Wirral with, they can't call them Scousers, can you? But, you know, around the Merseyside area in general. 
rural and city, you know. Do you think that, you know, where does that come from? Does that come from your upbringing, your schooling, your cricket, your football? Where, where do you think that comes from? I think probably all four of those suggestions. I think, um, I mean, my um, my mum brought my sister and I up for most of our um, childhood because my dad had kind of decided to kind of leave the family and, and set up um, another family. Um, but we had a very, very close connection, uh, the three of us, and, um, you know, family was really important, perhaps more so. In those days, there weren't anywhere near as many um, separated families as, as there are these days. Um and I think that sport was a a real constant for me in terms of how much it gave me um, and how much I enjoyed all those experiences. And, and, I, and I guess a teacher in particular stands out as having a, a huge, um, you know, hugely positive impact on uh, that, that, that sort of seven or eight years of, of school sports. And I'm very, very you know, grateful to him uh, and his, his philosophy of always, always um giving a positive after a performance regardless of result regardless of individual uh performance um is something i i've tried to um bring to you know to me in not just sports coaching but coaching as a whole and 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 i think also just the i've all i've always found team working in and around uh other people i've always enjoyed that i've always enjoyed meeting and getting to know other people, whoever they are, wherever they're from. Um, and I, I think that's just been with me from a very, very young age and uh, still is as strong, I feel it as strongly now. Uh, so, so yeah, I, that's what I'd say about that. And I'm gonna, I'm, I mean, that's a, just a wonderful answer. And I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump ahead to kind of bypass one of my questions, but I will come back to it because it's an important one. But what you described there, you know, and I know this is a very much a loaded question, but that now comes through in Cricket Coach 365 and all the coaching work you've done and that development work and giving back to trying to develop junior cricket. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's probably one of the strongest reasons as to why I wanted that to be what it is. Um, so it, it's, it's all about uh, the the children, the, the young players, um, and um, allowing them, giving them the uh, opportunity to enjoy their sporting experience, in, in, in obviously in this case specifically in cricket, um, for as long as possible and to uh, give them every reason to make as strong a set of friendships as I've been lucky to, to do in my lifetime um, for them as well. And uh, that that's that's kind of why I kind of, um, you know, started up Cricket Coach 365 and that's what it's still all about. It's not, it's not about, um, it's not all about kind of uh, getting kids to play county cricket and further their careers in the professional game. Um, it is about creating um, a, a position, a place of safety and a friend, you know, friendly environment but an environment where they know that they've got an opportunity to to really enjoy their game, and uh, by being in that environment, they also know that they've got a really good opportunity to develop their game. Uh, but there's so many more byproducts to it than just purely the game. And technically, uh, you know, if you if you think about the four pillars of coaching in terms of technical, tactical, um, physical, and psychological, I'm probably far more. Um, I've become even increasingly more drawn to the 
psychological aspects of um of the game than i am the the other three um and by psychological you know there's lots of different levels to it but ultimately somewhere that um kids and young players um know it's safe to, safe to be and enjoyable and fun and i think if you know everybody who gives up even an hour of their time a week to to the game our, our game um that adopts that kind of mantra cricket's going to be in a in a very healthy state for for years to come and i think you know, you mentioned you went to an independent school and there could be a very lazy assumption made that, you know, you care about the old boys network and independent school cricketers, but the fact that you've gravitated to to the South Asian community and played various sports and now engaging with state school cricketers and, and all the work you're doing, you know, coach development, you've yeah, it you know, what runs through the core of it for me and resonates with me is that that cricket is a game for all and for all the, the the lazy narratives and the the bad stories that can that reverberate around social media and the, the digital world we live in, that at the core of it there's there are champions like yourself. So I, I do tip my hat to you to you, sir, and for all the work you've done and, and it doesn't surprise me that you know, you received the award from, from Lancashire and Cheshire Cricket. So I'd I'd love you to tell us tell us more about that. Uh, well, um, I think I've mentioned this book to you in passing um, uh, in conversations previously, but there's a book um, that I was introduced to very kind of, well, uh, if randomly, if you don't believe in the law of attraction, or it was obviously meant to be if you believe in the law of attraction, uh, but it's called The Go-Giver, uh, and it's not a sports-related um, book. It's fi- it's a fiction um, style of, of narrative, but it... it it's all about somebody who's completely and utterly obsessed about making the next deal in his um, in his sales role. And that's all he's geared up to and wired to until somebody has a conversation with him and says, uh, you know, if you were to spend a little bit more time with this person who's really struggling with such and such um, and give a little bit of, of, of your time and energy to supporting that individual, just wait and see what happens in terms of good stuff that comes back. But the message is, um, is, is about, you know, always give of yourself and, you know, good things will happen. But it's not necessarily a financial good things. It's just good things in, in the round. But what I'm not, even though I'm very, very self, uh, you know, good at being self-aware, I'm still nowhere near as comfortable um, sort of receiving accolades and, and compliments as I am in giving uh, praise and, and recognition to others. So, um, what gives me greatest sense of satisfaction is seeing, you know, seeing seeing the faces of the kids who uh, you know, I have the privilege of playing a part in in terms of, you know, coaching them cricket and speaking to their parents and listening to uh, stuff that they say. Um, I suppose, therefore, in a, a kind of a, a segue to use one of your words back to the award that they those kind of bits of feedback and recognition from the children, from the parents from uh other people within the recreational um cricket environment contributed to um you know my name being put forward uh, last year uh, for the category of um, inspire the next generation and you know I was very lucky to receive that award across uh Cheshire and be invited to 
the Lancashire and Cheshire um, Awards Night hosted by Daggers. Um, he, he didn't know me at all, but singled me out for uh, some um, some Daggers-like banter because I was wearing jeans at, a, at an evening that was supposed to be a bit more formal. But um, having taken the proverbial, proverbial out of me before the actual formality started, uh, he then sort of was very uh, apologetic when I... Because um, he didn't realise I was going to be a winner and so came up onto the stage or an award recipient. Um, so he had a bit of humble pie, which I took well, you know, advantage of and, and, and asked him if he'd come onto the podcast, which he duly did. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that, that was that was what all that was about. And I was very lucky because of all the different things I've been involved in that um, Cheshire put my uh, my sort of uh, nomination forward into the into the UK round. So I was. I think one of three or four that were um, that were sort of given recognition at that level, and as a result, were was very lucky to to be invited to the um, the T twenty finals, you know, twenty finals day at Edgbaston last year, which which I went to with Charlie, which was absolutely amazing. And I, and what what I loved not only was the the spectacle of the finals day, but the other the other people who were there who like me had been put forward by their counties. That's what I enjoyed just as much. So there was a another father and son combination that happened to be sitting next to us totally by coincidence. And I just, you know, I loved uh, getting to know them. And they were from the northeast, not not a club that I played uh, against that often, but I knew of them. And so um, it just added to the whole, you know, the whole experience. Yeah, it sounds amazing. It just galvanises and makes that cricket network and fraternity a bit smaller, doesn't it? And, and I guess the power of social media and, and the group that you run online is, is another way of being able to, to share that. I know it got me through through lockdowns and sharing ideas and the, the toilet roll challenges and the, the throwing the tennis balls against the wall to, 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 to create the throwdowns. But listen, if, if doing good, um, if you, if you do go to make an impact on people is, is part of your philosophy this this hour I know this this podcast isn't going out on on Monday but it's Monday when we're recording this this, this is set my week up so you've done good for me so spending an hour with you it's great to it's great to listen to you uh, and you know just it's so palpable you know I, I, I can feel what these these young children feel for the impact you're having in terms of inspiring that next generation you've just mentioned charlie um and this is the bit that i kind of have had to bypass and i'm now coming back on the on the b road <laughs> what's what's the jones household like you've uh, you're not all cricket i know it's at your core but uh, tell us about family life and those special people yeah well you know that 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 is the um you know the main the main reason for you know my why is you know is to uh, be uh, part of that that family that you know, I'm so grateful to be part of. So Sharon, uh, my wife, is um, she came from a very sporty background when she was when she was younger. Um, she was a sprinter um, in um, in the Merseyside area. Her brother uh, was a very very avid sort of backyard cricketer. Um, her sister keen on uh, Liverpool football. All the family uh, big reds um, and. Uh, we've we've very lucky to have two um, teenage boys now who have always enjoyed their sport. Um, Charlie, our younger one, who's fifteen now, um, probably you know, one of those kind of naturally athletic all rounders that can turn his hand to most sports. But his 
um, probably sporting comfort blanket, if ever there was a phrase, um, has definitely proven to be cricket. Um, whereas his older brother, whilst he really enjoyed it when he was younger, um, he kind of had to make a, or he felt he had to make a choice um, when football kind of came his way and uh, and he's kind of carried on with his football. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're very locked into um, the, the love of sport and uh, it's not... Uh, the most rewarding um, for the three of us to be Villa fans uh, at present, uh, but uh, and but but Sharon still you know uh, follows the Reds and you know is very very happy with uh, with Mr Klopp despite losing against Forest on Saturday. And you've played down the lads' talent there because they both you know I know you're not you're not elitist but the lads have gone on and, and done very well in their in their own football and cricket development haven't they from a representative point of view yeah they've done amazingly um you know i remember my dad uh he was he was a very you know he's tough tough old school kind of style of parenting and never kind of made you feel as though you were quite good enough but it was kind of done for a a reason of wanting to stretch yourself uh, i i learned that sort of much later in life but um, yeah, I kind of almost <laughs> offer the opposite. I'm not, I'm not somebody who um, praises them openly in front of lots of other people, but um, to one side, I'd be the first to congratulate them when they've when they've done something which I think's been, you know, absolutely amazing. So you know, Ed's done incredibly well to still be involved in um, academy football, and he's he's very keen to try to uh, make a a career in that direction. Um, Charlie uh, absolutely loves his cricket this year. You know, he's he scored his first century um, as a 15-year-old. I didn't do that until I was 18. Many a person doesn't get to do it at all. Uh, but for him, he's one of those teenage boys that I think still trying to work out a lot about himself. And confidence is not something that he probably... Um, I don't think he would. He he has a, a sort of a strong sense of self belief, um, but cricket kind of gives him a little bit more of that. And he's he's had a he's had a very uh, good season uh, playing senior cricket. Scored three um, senior fifties for the second team. Nearly scored a fifty for the firsts. Uh, it's got back involved with with the county age group system, um, which he's which he does really enjoy. I think some some kids who are very ambitious or very um, competitive find they don't enjoy that environment, whether it be cricket or football or whatever. Uh, but um, he has, he does really enjoy playing in and against, you know, the kind of the, the better players and it kind of generally brings the best best out of him. So, so yeah, they, they have done amazingly. And uh, I mean, Ed's, I mean, he play, ends up, you know, who would believe it? He plays the same position as, as I did when I was a kid, but I mean, he's, he's a far more gifted all-round footballer than I was. Uh, and Charlie, you know he's he's in a different league to what I was, so you know I'm very lucky to be able to have seen what I've seen of them, and and in cricket I've never had the opportunity to play in the same team football wise as Ed, but um, I have had the good fortune of playing on the same team as Charlie a number of well more than a number of times, um, and that's that's an absolute privilege, particularly when he's batting. And, and I think that everyone's searching for that million dollar coaching point around bowling or batting um, you know or football whatever you know whatever position you play but I can only imagine 
Well, I can put my finger on it. One, I think you'd be an absolute dream as a parent. Uh, for, <laughs> I don't think Charlie academy. would say that, but... <laughs> not, not for the kids, for the academy coach, because they'll get no grief from you because you're grounded. Um, and and from the cricket coaching point of view, I bet you know the Lancashire County Age Group coaches absolutely love you because actually you let them fail and, and, and they're grounded. And, and when they go well, you keep them on the ground as well. So... Um, you know, I think that envi- it comes through to me that environment you've created at home, you and Sharon, that has instilled some some amazing values there, and it doesn't surprise me that uh, that you, your children are prospering. So, again, I, I doff my hat to you. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I would say there in terms of uh, self-deprecation, which I have a tendency to do, is um, having really enjoyed the experience of. Um, you know, lots, lots of different self-development around coaching, but one of the, within sports coaching, one of the fundamental things that I still find um, really difficult when things don't go well is to, is to remain calm externally. Um, I, I am probably, I, I am probably quite a lot more calm internally, but externally, I, I find that, um, I find that a challenge still. And, um, and that's still something that I've got to I've got to work on. Um, you know, you you see, uh, the likes of a, a Paddy Upton, for example. Um, you know, who's uh now in the backroom staff of, uh, the Indian T Twenty World Cup men's uh, team. And if you if if anybody watched that game yesterday and saw Kohli's innings, um, bearing in mind where Kohli's been psychologically in the last eighteen months or so, I've never seen him bat so calmly. Um, and um, it was just an incredible knock that he made, but particularly bearing in mind it was against Pakistan. So, so yeah, as someone like a, a Paddy Upton, I, I really respect, and um, Gary Kirsten and co. Um, yeah, and in good times and bad times, they stay incredibly calm externally, uh, and I'm somebody who's always uh, wore his heart on his sleeve, uh, which you know, is, is sometimes good, but other times you know, not so good. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a lesson I had when I was training uh, to do a Christmas job in a, a call centre. And they talked about, you know, if a customer's shouting at you, actually, the best way to calm them down is to speak quieter and quieter and calm and calm, instead of adding adding fuel, adding petrol to the fire. So, yeah, yeah it, it's fascinating, isn't it? You know, um, we behave. Yeah. We behave, uh, we behave how we how others are behaving around us and we have we have an opportunity by the way we behave to shape somebody's day yeah positively or negatively um amazing tom i'm i'm really impressed i had this imaginary buzzer like qi that you try <laughs> and revert to type and uh flip some questions around on me because i know like I said at the beginning, you're an authentic and humble guy and it wasn't your request to do this but um your your authenticity and your humbleness has come through incredibly through this and like I said you know I feel I feel therapized from some of the mm-hmm. lessons learnings of of your journey and, and I just want to kind of end on thanking you again for, for what you've done uh, to the community that you've created with cricket coach 365 that I'm proud to be to be involved in and uh, working in cricket myself thank you for the being an advocate and an ally to the women's game and the area of, that, I, again, that I work in, but to the wider cricket community for the contributions to driving cricket forward as a game for all. It's it suffered through the pandemic. It suffered through some 
some bad news stories in, in recent years politically and and um, you know you are there are lots of people like you but you are you're a shining star and i'm delighted even though you felt uncomfortable that you were recognized for that and we it doesn't have to be a, a shiny trophy a, a, a do from charles dagno it could just be a a thank you to a volunteer coach. So any parents or players listening, go and thank that person and, and keep keep their tyres pumped up because we're all in it together and uh, cricket is part of our fabric and I think it is going to continue to drive drive this country forward and keep us well and sane. Yeah, I mean, brilliant words, JC. Um, I think if, if ever you decide to kind of move on outside of the uh, the cricketing community, you know, forging a career in uh, broadcasting and Media, I think you'd you'd feel you'd find it absolutely right up your street. You'd be an absolute natural. You're very kind. You're very kind. Well, listeners, that uh, that concludes everything. Uh, Tom, thanks for inviting me, uh, and thanks for uh, thanks for being so open and honest. And uh, I've, like I said, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope everyone listening in um, has enjoyed it too. But I'll hand over to you. I'll allow you to have the last word. It is your podcast, after all. <laughs> Well, I'm, all I'm going to say is thank you to all the guests because, um, you know, of which you were one of the early, uh, the earliest ones in the, in the single digits. I never thought uh, we'd see the day where we get to over 100 uh, episodes. And uh, there are so many um, people that in that journey that I could uh, reference. But every single, every single individual without any hesitation has been has just blown me away in terms of uh, their passion and positive energy for the game their contribution to cricket in all different parts of the world in all different um, parts of the game itself so um, whether it be uh, playing coaching uh, whether it be senior executive roles or mums and daughters scorers umpires match referees um, you know everybody that has come on has have, have had incredible stories and you've been very generous in uh, you know, lavishing me with a lot of praise, but the the word that I will always remember this um, experience of doing the podcast uh, and listening and having the the good fortune of of meeting these people in many cases for the very first time on the podcast is their modesty. You know, their their um, absolute modesty and humility um, about describing um, their involvement and commitment to the game, um, which you know, is anything but modest. Um, and uh, and, and I, I'm really uh, grateful for the experience of meeting every single one of the hundred people that have come onto the, the podcast. And thank you to everybody who's listened. Uh, and I'm really, um, you know, really amazed at, you know, the people who've continued to listen because ultimately it's just um, me, you know, bringing somebody on to talk about their story in the game. Um, and I've been the one who's just uh, been lucky, lucky enough to uh, facilitate it. Amazing words, Tom. Thanks again and raise that bat 101 not out. <laughs> Cheers, JC. And it's a really good, uh, good of you to, to make the time to do this. Thanks for listening, everybody. As a reminder, each Cricket Coach 365 podcast will be released every Friday at 6pm on Spotify and Apple Play. After listening, please leave us a positive review on Spotify and share it with your friends and contacts. You can also follow us on Instagram at cricket underscore coach 365. Have a great day.